2: And Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
0: Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm
2: Chaos. And our happiness 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 is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped. Love's a circle with no end. I was talking about this last night, and he said, Happiness is egg-shaped. Um, Happiness is egg shaped. Happiness is egg shaped, and love's a circle with no end.
3: Hello, and welcome to the Happiness Is podcast. With me, your host Bruce Atchison from Happiness Egg Shaped. I'm back. I'm excited uh, as I normally am when I'm doing these introductions. And today, I'm joined by a current player. We don't get too many current players, and this is a man I have spoken to before on a format like this and I really enjoyed it and I hit him up and said I'd love to get you on the podcast so I'm absolutely delighted that he's been able to take some time and join us. Uh, He's got a great story, I absolutely love it, he's a Scotsman who's down south plying his trade, doing great things, he's got his Scotland caps and he's got a great view of the world and I'm really looking forward to speaking to him so let's waste no more time and bring in the one and the only Mr Scott Steele, hello sir.
0: Hello, what an introduction. Um, yeah. Good to see you again. Good to good to have a little chat.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Now, you're at Harlequins. That's a long way from where you first fell in love with the game of rugby. What's it like being in a premiership club as really that wee lad for Dumfries?
0: Uh, I do think about it a fair amount, to be fair. Um, it's not like something you get used to. I remember after uh, lockdown and when I first moved to Quins we were playing it was obviously with with no fans and, and all that sort of stuff and we're playing quite a lot of games in a short space of time and i remember i was starting a game against my old team london irish at the at the stoop and i went in to the toilet um and then i just remember turning around looking in the mirror and i had a, a, a queen's top on and first of all i was like i used to be irish for six years now i've got a Quin's top on i was like You've, you, like for a lad from Dumfries, you, you've done all right. Like to be representing like a club, with, like both their histories. So I was like, you've done all right there, and it was just sort of like a right. So you're here now. Don't mess it up. Like make sure you make, make the most of it. Like you can of just sit back and be like, oh, you've done it now. So, but um, that was that was a strange moment. I just sort of was like that realization before i went to go and play. I was like, all right, you've came quite a long way, but let's let's keep this going. Let's try and you know kick on again. So um, nah, yeah. yeah. I, I owe a lot to obviously Dumfries and the Dumfries Saints and all the people involved in that, all the volunteers, all the family, friends. And I, I loved it there. Um, I still say to, to my brothers and my cousins and my mates back home, like I will get a cap for Dumfries Saints first team Monday. day. Um, I would have hopefully got one the, the year that I went to Newarkiston. So I played the, the under 16 stuff and then, went to Mercaston, come back and play the odd Colts game if it was allowed in the schedule. And then I always wanted to play for for the Saints and I went to Watsonians for a bit. And then so I never got that chance to actually uh wear the, the black and white in the first team and run out of Park Farm, which was what I wanted to do growing up. That was it. Watching my cousins and my brothers play together, I thought that's unbelievable. And um, always had a strong well, team considering the sort of demographic of like how how small the place is and have to be roping guys the, the good guys from like local clubs basically try to entice them to come and play and um yeah it's, it's a great club and still is and my brother jack was captain last year I, I think he's going to be captain again this year I don't know what he's thinking but um still a real good connection with that club and I, I will even if it you know you know 38 years old and, you know, my hips have gone and whatever. I'll hopefully still one day at least play one minute on that part farm pitch to sort of tick that off.
3: If, if any of them are listening to this, they're going to be holding you to that. Your
0: phone's yeah. going to be going, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> they, they say that. They're like, no way, will you? And I'm like, honestly, that's that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that I, I at least get one game. And even if it's not for the first, I'll play for the seconds. I'll do anything just to, to get a senior cap.
3: See, there's loads in that that I love right back to you looking yourself in the mirror because there's there's a huge number of pros who are it is their job and i wonder where the love goes but that little bit you've just given us there we'd say that you love playing rugby
0: yeah definitely for me it's more it's who you're playing who you're playing with who 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 are the guys that you, you turn around and you look at and you know that I'd go down the trenches for that bloke, like, it wouldn't even matter if we're playing you know, fifth, sixth division, it's that feeling of coming off the pitch and being like I didn't let them down or he was unbelievable today, like, let's get around him tonight for a few beers or it's just that sort of respect that you gain. like, people talk about it in all different industries of, like, and if you go through tough times, like, adversities where I was at London Irish and we got relegated and some guys that you can maybe look at it and be like, oh, he wasn't he wasn't really there. He didn't really put his neck on the line. But the guys that did, you hold that forever. Like that guy, he, he didn't give up. Like he, he was a good guy. He, he, he didn't say, ah, oh, we're down now, you know. So I think it's more the relationships that you build with people and obviously that connection of where I'm from, where I grew up playing my rugby, what essentially the foundation that gave me the ability to, to go on and do what I did, that, that could go back to that club and there's no one there. But still I, I sort of owe that to them to, to go back and play and, and, and I I wanna do that because I've watched them play since I was the first rugby game that I probably ever watched was back there at that pitch. So um I think it I think it definitely does make it special. And I think the more you go up, you sort of get drifted away from that because it becomes a business. Um guys, you know, move on from club to club. You just it's tough now to see that sort of even I think Arlequins is quite special in the way that you have had a, a bunch of lads that were there for a long period of time, like your Joe Marlers, you know, your Rob Schoss, your Danny Cares, your Mike Browns, they were there for like the first one in two thousand twelve and then when they did it, you know, last um not that season just there, but the one before that that was special and you don't really get that. Um, so that's sort of like not the usual, but to, to get a connection with a club I think it takes time and obviously in professional game not everyone gets time so uh, I think that's the thing with Dumfries is like in any one sort of home club it's it's different to, to now like I would people say oh would you play if you didn't get paid and I'd be like well yeah I would but it'd be for a certain team it'd be for yeah. a team where I really get on with all the guys and understand they're on the same wavelength as me um, I'm not going to go and play somewhere that I don't really know anyone I don't enjoy it and I'm sure I'd get to know people, but it would be more playing it because I'm socialising with my mates and to get that same feeling of like, oh, we've actually done something good today. Like we can earn going out and having a few beers or, you know, we can go back and have a takeaway together and watch what's over on the TV because we've actually done something together today rather than just sort of like floating through. It's that anticipating of waiting for a weekend and be like, right, this is it. We've got something to do here. Let's do it. It doesn't matter if you do it or not. It's like, right, if
3: you've got something to look forward to. I, I'll absolutely love it. You grew up though, I mean, w- when you were born, your first knowledge of rugby. I know you're saying the first game you went to was Dumfries, but the game was professional when you were, you know, hitting the end of your primary school, going into secondary school. There's a lot of kids who support the professional game and maybe don't have that upbringing you had. Yeah. Uh, being on the touchline, probably kicking a ball around, going into the clubhouse after the game, doing all those things. What was it, or, or who was it, that do you think hooked you in at
0: Dumfries? Well, I, didn't, I didn't have much of a choice, to be honest. I was, <laughs> dad played for the club. Uncles played for the club. Um, all my dad's best mates played together. So then both my brothers, older, both played Um like literally two sets of different cousins both brothers played and that was it and we'd go down on on a Saturday and it'd be like back in the day I I don't even know what time scale it was but my dad would be playing uh, and then my mum and her friends would be the ones that were in the the kitchen cooking the post-match meal and all that kind of stuff for them and then everyone that would be their hub that's where they'd socialise so they'd hang out there for, for hours and I'd always remember you'd be outside playing and playing, like, just tackling each other, like, whenever we could run about, really, and, uh, you'd come back into the rugby club and it'd just be, like, full of smoke. It'd be so, and you'd to find mum and dad and it was in the days when you could smoke inside, obviously, and that was always, like, you'd come back and you'd stink of smoke. That was always, like, the memory of rugby club and then, when that rule, that law came and it was a different place, like, you could go up, find mum and dad straight away and be like, right, what's going on? Um, but, yeah, so that's what we would do every Saturday and then the minis would be on the Sunday so then when I was old enough, we'd go down and play there with, with all my mates and have mini tournaments and training and all that kind of stuff and it just sort of built from there.
3: When did you think you could become a rugby player or were you growing up thinking, I'd love to do that as a job or were you just doing it because you loved it?
0: Um, probably sort of thought oh, I wanted to play football professionally first. Uh played all the way through sort of like sort of when you got to the level of like primary six, primary seven, played in sort of Dumfries and Galloway sort of regional teams and did really well, like won, won tournaments and did that through the age groups and for like first three years I think it was of like secondary school I was up like at Kilmarnock playing with them and I was I was decent, I played left back and, and loved it and it was just driving from Dumfries up to Kilmarnock. There was another guy from Loch uh, like Mabin that would also like share the lifts with his dad, and my dad would take turns and go up like, three times a week, basically. And I did enjoy the actual football bit, but it was literally like you finish the game, you're in the car, you're, you're gone. Um, it was good to like speak to or like socialise with people from different parts of Scotland as well. So you'd go up there and there be proper Glaswegians like and obviously like football's a bit more like it's more of a working class sort of sport so there'd be all sorts of characters there and I loved it and the lads were great it was hilarious but we'd go and play like Celtic Rangers, Hearts like all these top teams and it was it was very much a feeling from very early like you have a good game against one of these and then bang you could go that's the sort of mindset that all the lads had and um did that for a bit and they they wanted to continue doing it but I just the whole fact of traveling I hated it I hated traveling up to to Kilmarnock and then further if it was an away game we would just meet them wherever so it was sort of like in the back of my head I was like this is a, a lot for our parents to to sort of do this and I don't know how long I'd stick at it even if I'd Thought of moving away from home was quite scary as well. Like, right, well, the next stage is probably after move with these guys that I do get on with, but not actually spent proper time with them. It's just been training in the car home or play a game in the car home. So I was like, they could do this for years, and then I've got to make that step of maybe moving up there, and then I could last six months, and be like, don't don't like that to get me home. Um, so did that for a bit, and then decided to move back and play for. Green of the South, just the local team, which all my sort of close of friends played for, which also had a good team and were successful. And even then I was thinking, like, maybe this is better for me. Like I could play this sort of, it's a, not as good a team and probably will end up taking me further and all that kind of stuff. And it was only when I sort of floated the idea around of going to, to Merkiston after meeting Sam Hidalgo at like the under-17 Scotland stuff. i was still doing stuff all the way under 16 it was still football and rugby trying to balance it and then it was just after beating him and he talked to me and there was another guy michael walker who's from sanka whose family had been to to Merkey and chat to them and the idea of it was less intimidating i was moving away but i was still with lads i was going to be at a boarding school i knew a few guys already and the, the main reason i was going was was to play rugby and to basically get better coaching and exposure to playing rugby more often and playing at, well, I would say a high standard, but I've always had this debate with the lads at school whether my Dumfries team would beat our Mercison team. And, but it was more the exposure of playing rugby all the time in the spare time you'd be playing touch and also the fact that, like, we'd do more training and also I'd be up in Edinburgh, so, like, facilities and gyms and all that kind of stuff would be better with the, the programme that was that was on at the minute. So it was only then that I was like, right, this will be better for my rugby. And that'll be and then it sort of flipped like, well if I do well there then I could actually get a job out the back of it. Whereas football was always sort of I didn't really think that I was ready or wanted to to go for it as much. But um yeah, it was only until I moved to America that I was like right, okay, this is really a stepping stone in, in the direction of going to rugby.
3: When they produce a football at training, do you get excited?
0: Yeah, all the all the backs (laughs) do. To be fair, they all absolutely love it. So they do it all the time. They get it out for training and stuff like that, and it's great. Danny Care's really good as well. A few of the lads look awful. Like that's what we're all just failed footballers. The backs we just (laughs) we just went went somewhere wrong down the line. Thought right, we'll pick this up instead. I, I what, said you know, that to somebody world. the other
3: day. They said, why why did you play rugby? I said, because I wasn't good enough at football. Uh, yeah, I actually said true. that to somebody <laughs> the other day. And, uh, Danny Care played, did he know? Was he He was a decent footballer when he was younger.
0: Yeah, so I think he was like Sheffield United. I think he was in the academy and stuff like that and did it to an age. And he played in the same youth team as like Jamie Vardy and stuff like that. Like, And he got to a stage where I think it was the same thing. It was like, it was a bit small and I think they held that against him. and then it was the fact that he was like he went on one like rugby tour with his with his like dad and his mates and it was completely different to the to this same sort of thing that I was saying it was like the social side of rugby
1: mm.
0: it was a it was a, it made it a bigger thing it didn't make it just rugby football it was like well if I do rugby I'll get all that experience with it um and I think that's probably come across from like like you said like the professionalism like being so late to turn pro there's still a lot of good things about rugby that are still there today as well and um, make it so good and so appealing to people to to take it up whereas football was very much like just the football and you can see in like these documentaries with like all the muffins and stuff it's so full on like they're absolutely buzzing when they get like a day off the next day after a game or get two days off and it's like it's just relentless it's just game after game like, there's no time to even socialise and chill out with all your mates after a game and stuff like that. So, I think that social side of rugby is good, and I hope it doesn't go anywhere because it makes it special.
3: The the, the then so football goes on the back burner. You take on rugby, and obviously you're then picking up representative stuff. when When you get to play for Scotland, the age group Scotland's a small pond. But there's an amazing feeling to think, hang on a minute, I'm I'm one of the best in Scotland at my age. Was that, were you, I'm trying to think how I'm putting this, were you aware that you were the best in Scotland or were you just trying to be the best that you could be at that point?
0: I, I would never, I never really thought it as like, oh, I'm the best in Scotland or anything like that. But I think it was made a bit different for me because I played in a team where we had, I think it was, three of us basically from Dumfries that ended up going the whole way to the Glasgow stuff and then doing the Scotland number 17s and the 18s stuff and yeah one of the lads from Dumfries was captain of the 18s so it, that made it feel more normal and it didn't really sort of think like you say like oh we are playing first pick in our position for our country at this age that's pretty like mad to think about it because we'd all sort of done it together. It was just like, oh, we're just lads from Dumfries that are all right, so we're, you know, we're just doing this together sort of thing. So I didn't really think about it like that. But if I was sit there in the team and there was no one really that I knew as well as them two lads next to me, it would have been a bit different. I would have been like, oh, this is weird. I've been selected from this team and taken and put into the Scotland team. I think that would have made it. Oh, small arm. That's to make sure I wasn't going to be late for this. started early. <laughs> <laughs> um so then yeah it was so I didn't really didn't really feel like that um but then you'd look back after you finished the, the game to the tournaments and people would be coming up to you and be like oh it's amazing that you, you played in that and you got selected and it was only then that you were sort of like that is pretty cool to, to think that you are representing your country at, like any level and even when we played for like glasgow and stuff like that it was it was still cool and it felt good for us because there was I think there six of us that got picked to play for Glasgow at Dumfries and you're like I'm at clubs and like how big Glasgow is a place like we're just this tiny little town down the sort of bottom of the, the country that gets chopped into that that region and you're just like that's pretty impressive stuff like we don't have the facilities and the, the Institute of Sport at the time that it was there was three of us that were involved in it but all these guys would have to go to these like they'd go to like Edinburgh University gyms or we'd go to these places for skill sessions and go to like proper you know like really well-funded places and we'd just be going down this like like the other academy or the other high school across the road and just doing our weights in there and it, it felt like we're, we're not really getting looked after here as well but and if we want to get looked after as well we're gonna have to travel an hour and 45 minutes up the road so it was good to do it with them lads to to sort of not as a bit of a, but just to sort of prove people wrong, that like, it doesn't matter if you're from this little town or whatever, if you work hard and, and you're good enough, you can you can climb up and, and you can do that stuff, which also at the same time, I think there's a few lads that got missed out from our from our team as well. And it was a bit of a thing to them, like, well, I can show you that we're actually decent. I think there was a few guys, there was a guy, Jamie Graham and Ewan Miller, that were two really good back role players. And I think at times they were, like played way better than we did in sort of club games, and then it was just like, well, we've got three lads from Dumfries that'll so probably do. But looking back, it's not like they should have been playing in the, the under seventeen stuff for sure. And it was sort of, it was good to sort of fly the flag for for Dumfries in that way.
3: For the last six years, Fill Your Boots has been making rugby happen at the grassroots level. Please get involved and go to www.fybrugby.com to register your club or to register as a player and join the online community to make sure that games continue to happen in the future. Join in clubs with players and players with clubs to make sure that we can keep the club game as strong as possible. Fill Your Boots. Bring in rugby together. It it's brilliant because you didn't it it's a lesson like you said, you didn't need all that shiny stuff. It's the hard work and the the relationships because it probably spurred you on having those guys next to you. You're also you mentioned your brothers already who are both played a heap of club rugby. I, I mean I don't know how many appearances the two of them have got up here, but they've been going for a while. Yeah. How much does that help your development having brothers to tackle and kick with and chuck with and, you know, rough and tumble?
0: I, th- I think that's probably one of the biggest things, like you can play like, when you start, it's like, I think nowadays a bit of a tag or touch and all that kind of stuff, there, there was none of that, it was in the, in the garden, right, You try, they'll run at you, yeah, you try and tackle them and if it doesn't work, you get up, you try again, you go for it and I remember playing a game in my auntie and uncle's garden. It was just called, we called it up and under game. You just put a massive bomb up, someone go up, like you take turns whoever would catch it, would catch it. And it's just as soon as they land, like everyone else would just flatten them. And that was like, that was the actual game. So it would get you good at the high ball stuff. And it was like, oh, you would, you just get ripped to shreds if you didn't catch it. Like, and that was it. And I remember catching one, and I think it was. My brother like hit me and then two of them else came on top and then my cousin you and he just ran in and I was like sitting like that and he just ran in and like piled on and hit my arm and then my I just had a crack and my wrist like snapped and it was broken and I was just like oh no and I went with through to auntie and I was like I think I've broke my wrist and she was like yeah that's that's definitely broke took me to the <laughs> hospital and I was just like she just must have been like what are them lads up to like what are they doing like but that was like. We played all the time and then I remember going to like, watch my dad referee and stuff and we would just be messing about in the dead ball area on the pitch next door and we'd just be playing rugby the whole time. So we talk about like 10,000 hours of practice or whatever, like any spare minute that we had. We wouldn't really say it was like worked out planned practice. It was just messing around. It was just having fun. Um I think that went a long way And having two older brothers Nowadays is really good because they know about the game, you, you hear about guys that have got parents or siblings that don't really know rugby that well, and after every game they'll get a text through saying, like, "Oh, you played really well! Like what? What a great game!" And they might not have played well, like, and it's even worse for them. Like, it's nice of them to say that, but they don't have a clue of actually had a stinker And they'll just text me that. Whereas I can text my brothers, and they'll give me like honest feedback and be like, "Yeah, it's tough night at the office, but like." You weren't getting much ball to be fair, and like if, like your forward pack were getting dominated. Or if they say, some, say something nice, then I know that I must be doing something well because it's not usual that they'll be like, <laughs> Oh, great, great going. So I think it's really good in that way that they played the game, they still play the game, and that you know what's going on. Um, and they can sympathize with certain stuff that not a lot of people, sort of from the outside, look at them understand. And if I'm coming back from injury and I play, I like, oh, wasn't wasn't too happy with how I went, and I've like not played for like two or three months. Like as a starting point, it's was pretty good going. Like you've got to think about that. You can't just go like take it as a one off. So, um, yeah, it's definitely good to, to have people like that. Which i just that's just luck that they, they play the game and they enjoy it. And same with my dad as well. We obviously he knows what he's talking about when it comes to it. So it's good to have that sort of support. Um, the one thing is like because they know a lot about it, they they want to know what's happening day to day and they're just like I'm looking after myself chill out (laughs) if there's something to tell you I will tell you so they've got better at that I remember coming home and it'd be what's happening rugby 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 and I'd be there like in the car coming back from somewhere after half an hour like look can we just not talk about rugby for the next couple of hours because that'd be great and they'd be like right okay yeah, yeah fair enough but they just love it so it's tough for them they just want to know and all this kind of stuff so um, that they've learned that now it took a while before I actually just went don't want to speak about it and now they're like do you want to chat about it? and I'm like yeah sweet, happy and then they sort of know when, when I'm not in the mood or if I am in the mood
3: I, I've known your old man for a long time he was a referee in club game when I was playing and he, he was one of the referees that actually had the wee bit to him and you could have a bit of chat to him and you knew he knew the game I think I saw a picture of him when he was able to see you play for Scotland and uh, he just looks like the proudest man on the planet. What, what did he say to you when you were able to message him and say, "By the way, Dad"? See, on I, I know I, I don't think he was there for your first one, was he? Because you played no. behind closed doors for your He's not. He's, he's not seen me play. No. Oh, he's not so he's seen he,
0: not, no, he, it.
3: No, it's still COVID. He, he, I saw a picture of on social media. It must be was at Quincy. he just looked like a very happy man. He obviously has played a massive part in yeah in your journey
0: Um, yeah like that's that's one of the main things when you look back and go like right I've done I've done something good here to see their reaction like after they played against uh, England at Twickenham in the Six Nations we went back flew back straight back there and well everyone was on the beers and mum was like oh can we can we have like a Zoom chat or whatever and I was like yeah sweet so I went there and it was like mum dad both my brothers and we just had like a And all the madness of everyone just like enjoying the in the wind and i was just sat there in my my room and we had a chat and it was added because of lockdown it was like everyone's so proud of you like you've gave the nation such a lift and all this kind of stuff and i was like properly getting emotional like geez and then they were getting emotional and that was that was a pretty surreal moment like for a family that wouldn't really get emotional that often and it would be very much like have a laugh to piss out of each other to have that one moment of like being serious and, and saying stuff like that when it really hit home and that because it was a tough period for everyone in the country at that time with lockdown and isolation and not seeing friends and family and then to do something like that to just to give people a lift for for a few days if even for that night for someone that wasn't even into rugby would be watching that as a Scotsman and be like that's, that's pretty cool like put a smile on the face so. I think that was that was the time when I was just like right that that gave me an insight of what I do actually impacts on them, my family, my friends and stuff like that. i like they 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 do care even at times when you think for me especially like moving away from Scotland at eighteen and just going down to, to England and doing my thing ever since. So at the start was like right, I'm on this I'm on this one man mission just to try and you know, play professional rugby and sort of not give the fingers up to the the guys that didn't pick me for, for the stuff when I was was in Scotland originally. It was sort of like, oh, I'll show you sort of thing and I'm just gonna go away and graft away and um could be further from the truth. Like my, my parents and my brothers and my friends were always there with me the whole the whole way through and to see to see them sort of so proud of you and that thing. That's the that's the thing when you're you're injured and you're thinking, oh, this isn't looking good or like, I really can't be bothered with this. Like, I'm, I'm isolated from my mates in the squad now and the playing group and all that kind of stuff.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass?
0: and they're thinking, oh, I can't, I can't be bothered today. That, 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 their memories for me are the things that go, nah, come on. Like, they wouldn't want to see you just sulking and, and not taking every opportunity to to get better. Like, pull your finger out. It's, just, it's, it's not just about you here. It's, it's got more to that because of the effect that it has.
3: How how do you have the courage at 18? You You weren't in this comfortable... Progression that lots of players are where they go into an academy and it's all sort of. He uh, seems to almost unravel in front of them. Like you said, like I have this vision. you just wear a rucksack on your back at eighteen. Like, I'll, I'll be back sometime. Like, that's
0: not that's not far from the truth. That is literally. So what they did at the time at Leicester was they had a, like house parents, so just people that would sign up and you'd pay. My mum and dad would pay them like fifty quid a day or whatever quite pricey the way it worked out and then, but it's like monday found 50 quid a day and they basically look after you these people and they'd be complete strangers and like driving down to leicester from dumfries and getting out and my mom and dad meeting these people lovely people and just being like right see you later and my mom apparently cried like first like two hours on the way back just like we just like dropped off this like our son at these random people's house in leicester and like what's going to go on? They could be horrible people or like anything. And I was just sat there in this little town, like counterstop on the outskirts of Leicester. And I was like, I know one lad at the club through under-18s, like Scottish, she was an exile. I was like, I don't know no one else. I don't know where I am. I don't know how to get to training. I don't drive. I was like, this is just going to be terrible. I was like, what's going on? And yeah, for them to just... It was not as bad going to Mercury, My mum was a bit like, "Oh, sending the son away to boarding school, all this kind of stuff." But that was nowhere near as bad because we knew people there, and it was you know just up the road, and it was a lot more familiar. But that was a strange feeling just walking into someone's house that you've before and be like, "Right, I'm going to be staying here for potentially a year. This is strange." Right, coming down after dinner and just sitting watching TV, and you are just like, oh, I don't, "What? What do we even chat about?" Like, it's so bizarre. Well, that was a tough time. I actually got to like three, four months in, and was just like, "Can't, can't be dealing with this." Like, so then eventually a lad that came in late as well. We got a flat together for the for I think it was like six months. So they're basically six months there and then six months at uh, that flat. But yeah, at the start for the first two months, I was like, "Yeah, this isn't good." I was like, <laughs> mum and Dad have taken a chance on me coming down here," and they basically described it to me as well. You know, we we paid for jack when he went up to university to like cover rent and all that kind of stuff and we're just gonna we're seeing it the same thing like this is an opportunity for you to to get a career and a job so for the first year we'll financially support you with accommodation with through the the house parent thing and we'll give you money to get through and then you know after a year if there's a contract that comes up like great but if not then we'll reassess and we'll go from there sort of thing so because I, I didn't want to go in there. And I was like, well, I could stay at what Sony ends. They were going to give me a lovely flat by the meadows, And I was going to get, like, a couple of hundred quid a game and then a win bonus as well. And played pre-season games and played one one league game away to Selkirk. And we won that. And I was like, right, OK, I'm putting, I like, the lads here, a great bunch of lads, and I was going to do that. And then this came up, and it was really them. That like, no, look, like, this is like a big deal like Leicester Tigers like going you've had your two week trial did that before and went well they're like they're off in your place but it's not paid I was like alright forget it then like, I'm not gonna I didn't want it, my mum and dad to sort of take that sacrifice again and, and do that and I was like nah it doesn't worry I'll play at Watsonians but in the back of my mind I think I was also like that was Watsonians was safe it was the easy option I didn't have to start again somewhere and that was quite intimidating so I think um yeah, good on men to be like, no, let's do this. Like, we're, we're happy for you to do this. We want you to do this. Back you for the year and, and do it that way. So, um, yeah, if it wasn't for them, I would have just took the easy option and, and stayed at Watsonians And who knows if I would have even played and managed to get a contract there, but definitely would have been a lot harder for me, i say.
3: Am I right? The story I got was that your mate in the 18s, the exile, said to you, Tigers need a scrum half. How did the next bit on unru- Like, did he go back and say, Oh, by the way, I've spoken to a scrum half, and he's quite like, How did the connection lead to you getting out the car and staying with a house parent?
0: Um, so it happened like, yeah, it was a, an XL that was playing for us at 20s, um, Corey Venus, and he said, Our scrum half's injured at the minute, and it's the, do you know the referee, Christoph Ridley? The, the in the prime that was he was a scrum half at Leicester, Uh-oh. but he kept this yeah kept dislocating his shoulder and it was like kept had a few ops and it was around the time where he dislocated it, like a time when it looked like that was going to be him done. So it was that injury. So I just got an email address and sent it to them. Uh, sent them an email like saying Sports Corey blah blah blah, like wondering if there's a thing like happy to come down for a trial. Um, let me know whatever blah, blah blah like look forward to hearing from you and they got back to this was basically my mum and dad that basically did this and they came back and were like yep you can come down for a two week trial so came down and stayed with Corey and his family and the schedule was brutal it was like start weights at like 6am so we had to do all our stuff in the gym before the first team came in so start weights at 6am and then whilst they were the first team came at the gym we would do like our training session so we did our running session there and then when they got out to do the run session, we'd be back in the gym doing some sort of other conditioning. And then we'd go back outside doing, like, we did, like, car pushing and stuff. They, like, load up this car with, like, all these barrels and just, like, push it around the pitch. And it was horrendous. And just did that. And we did really well. And it, was, it wasn't a lot of rugby stuff. There was a bit of rugby stuff. But it was more, like, it was all the new guys had came in. And it was more of a test to sort of figure out. And it was pretty old school. And it was... A lot of like the older lads in the academy, the three-year academy. A lot of the older lads would, you know, test out the younger lads, and there'd be a bit of what you'd say bullying, but it was more testing the waters, and it was pretty hostile. And the coaches, if like giving up was just not an issue, like it was not an option. Like they would really good get stuck into you, and it was pretty intense. And I was going like, that's like this is by far the hardest training I've ever done. And, like, I don't know if I'd be able to do this all the time, but I think that two weeks was just to, to test out everyone and did well in that, and it was just after after that, they were like, look, we'd love to keep you, but because it was, I think it was like September time, so it was late on in terms of the when they got back to me and they were like, we want to keep you, but we've got no room in the, the cap, so we basically have to uh, try and work it out some way, and my mum and dad at that stage said, oh, we'll back here until until next season, and then hopefully then you can, can get a contract.
3: So you're you're down there, you're finding it tough, you' bit isolated. And then, what was it you think that got you over the line? Was there a, was there a moment? Was it just generally how you applied yourself? How, how do you think you, you then got over that hurdle? Um,
0: extreme luck. like well, yeah, need just and plug my charger on there we go um extreme luck it was we played um the first team basically had ben young's went away with international duty um sam harrison got injured and mickey young's got banned for eye gouging or something but it wasn't even him that did it in the club were like and he was like, you're not going to peel it? And they were like, because it was someone else that they sort of valued, like Billy Twelfthes at the time that was playing 10. They're like, well, to be honest, like this. So it was Mike, Mike Grindle that was nine. And then um, it was Mike Grindle at nine. And then me left. So that was a thing. So I was just like, I need to sort my charger out. But I was just um, the last one left, basically. So that was when I was still, I was 18 or whatever. And um, I just, yeah, so then started was on the bench in the premiership and played at like Welford Road, at like 27,000 people there on the play against Newcastle, came on, played quite well. And I was just like, this is mental, like, what's going on? Played a few other times off the bench. And then I was like, this is great. They offered me a two-year deal, signed that, and just thought, this is great. I'm going to love this. And then for the next two years, just didn't get a game. It was just like LV Cup, like nothing came up and I was just like, right, this is probably more how it works for young lads coming into a team like this, like you don't get that luxury of playing even when I was 18, I was like, right this is holding a bag in training is the actual reality for a lot of us guys that were at a club that were at the time in Premiership Finals, so there was no right, let's try and develop people, like let's use the academy, it was like You've got All Blacks coming into the squad. We've got current England players. Like you had all internationals. You had British Lions. It was it was all right. What we're we doing to win at the weekend. So um, yeah, that was just really lucky in that case that I had that injury and list of guys unavailable basically for me to play. And I did play, and they obviously went like, "All oh, right, he's he's not bad actually," because I if without that they wouldn't have known because it was just training. So that's all it was, and then so I did that for. So I got that in my first year when I was like unpaid basically, and then for two years after that, played I think a handful of games and went on loan to Loughborough and played for them in National One, which was great fun. It's like being in uni, but I didn't have to do any of the uni work. It was unreal. <laughs> <laughs> it was class.
3: Are, are you a rugby fan? Were there moments where you were training against somebody that you'd watched on Sky, or was it just another teammate?
0: No, definitely was a fan, especially at Leicester, because you weren't really playing with them. Like you were just, you were looking up to them, training with them, and you were just like, "This is, like this is cool." <laughs> like, like Manetulangi and like Alessandro especially like, the size of these guys. And I'm just this skinny lad from like Dumfries that's like barely touched a weight properly, and I'm like, so I'm actually expected to be safe on the same pitch as him? Like, this is mental and just. That was the first island of like 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 guys like you had like Craig Newby and Scott Hamilton, like all blacks that had like, they must like I'm at a decent place if they're picking up guys like him, he's travelled like across the world to come and play here at this team and like that was when it was sort of an island where like, Oh, this is an actual career, this isn't just like playing for a bit of fun, this is like these guys will be on big money and you had so many characters like like Castro Giovanni and stuff like that, and like Jordan Crane and great um, George Shooter, all these guys that are like internationals and just sort of like iconic figures of the game, and you're just there like, getting to train with them. it's Sort of how what you got sold by the coaches being like, like this is a great place for you to be. Look at the quality, and it was good. And, and like Jordy Murphy, like one of the most skillful players I'd ever watched and seen like live, and it was cool, but it wasn't really like you were learning off them. You just got to watch them. And it was, they would help you out and stuff, but nothing beats playing. So it got to that stage where I was like, this is cool and this is amazing to, to train with these guys. But at the same time, I need to kick on now. I was 21. I was like, I need to play rugby. Like, if I'd stayed at Wotsonians, I would have played a lot of rugby by now. Like, wouldn't have been the best standard or whatever compared to being at Leicester. But I was at like, five games in three years, It's it's not doing me much in terms of playing for the actual club played a few games for Loughborough but that was even towards the back end of my, my second year so it wasn't even a solid continuous of games I just got stuck in that spot where if there was one injury at nine I'd be the travelling reserve that would have to go and do the warm-up in case someone got injured so like, it's cool to go away to some places and see some stadiums but you're just sitting there going I am literally just covering for bit unlikely event if someone gets injured in the warm-up and I'm I'm not playing I'd rather be fourth choice and third because I'd be at least going on loan and playing. So um it was at that, that stage that I thought, right, I need to sort of just bite the bullet and move on here.
3: Hello, my name is Bruce Acheson from Happiness is Egg Shaped and I am here to tell you where you can get your Happiness is Egg Shaped merchandise. Go to www.howbro.com and search for Happiness is Egg Shaped in the stores. We've got it all. Umbrellas, snoots, hats, towels for when you eventually get to go on holiday to the beach or by the pool. We've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts, we've got all sorts going on there. Check it out. Get your Happiness is Egg merchandise. You can get it all coloured up for your favorite team or for your country get involved because you know i know everybody knows happiness is egg and london irish was a was a pretty decent place to go
0: yeah it was great um so i was lucky in in the sense that i had a couple of mates that um were in the same spot as me at Leicester before, they they were alone at Nottingham and regardless how well they played there, it was just, look, he's fit, he's going to play above you, like a senior, like, it wasn't a, a case of like, oh, you're an academy product, we're going to get you in, it was, if we need you, we'll sort of use you sort of thing, and at the time they were successful, so there's no, there's no sort of like, you can't really begrudge that, they're like, it's just the way they worked, and um, so them guys had went to Irish and they ended up playing like twenty odd games in the Premiership, and I was like, that's mad, and like they were playing well, and it was, it was that confidence boost to be out like, right? Well, they've went well do, they've, they've done that. They're all good players, but like you never know until you just do it, until you're in that, like let these young lads play and just dive straight in. So I went there and trained hard in pre-season, had competition that was, that was tough, but they were sort of at the the other end of the career; they'd already been established and. I just went in and watched really hard and managed to play, and the first game I played was at Twickenham, actually, in the, the double-header game and it was against Harlequins, and there was, like, 60-odd thousand people there, and I was just like, this is mental, I was like, trying to find my mum and dad in the crowd, being like, what is going on here, and I was like, I used to play, like, Loughborough in front of, like, three fucking blokes and a dog just sitting there. And I know it's just like right, this I think this even if this game goes terribly, like you've made the right choice here. There's no chance you'd be starting in the premiership at Leicester. So played that game and probably went all right, probably like six out of ten, but for that occasion and everything I was I was happy with it and it sort of calmed me down but to go like, right, you can do this, you can play at this level and it's sort of built from there.
3: Was it tough to keep the confidence when you hadn't played enough rugby?
0: Yeah, it was, because you go from playing all the time and playing at a standard that you you know that you're good at because you've played at it for so long. When you play at your age group, going up through school and stuff, you know where you're at because it's not really changing. Like, you can go up to Scotland and stuff, and that's the one time where you're thinking, right, I might not be able to get away with doing what I like or playing as well as I, I do usually because I don't know how good they're going to be. But definitely with that, you like you go from playing school boys sort of stuff club and then you play the international and then when you came to like Leicester it was like I was either playing A-League which is really up and down like sometimes they'll have really strong teams playing you're playing in a really strong team or you're playing against a really strong team and you don't have a strong team so it's not that consistent level of like right that's where A-League is it's tough to sort of gauge that and some games you play really well other games you wouldn't and it didn't really help the confidence because it was a bit of a lottery to what teams were going to play. And then when you did go up to the premiership, that was the time I was like, right, this is fast. This is really quick and intense. And you think that you've got a time to think about, right, what am I doing here? But you you don't, someone's on you. And that that realisation of doing that and then looking back at the game and thinking, I, I felt a lot more frantic than I looked when I watched it back. And I actually looked that it was all right. So, sort of for me in my head I was like right you can do it You've watched yourself do it but mentally you need to relax a bit and you've got more time than you think and you can play at this level so it's not like the all and end all if a mistake happens it's not right he's not good enough he's never going to play again sort of thing so being at Irish was good good for that because if you go to a club they bring you in and they back you essentially because they've signed you they're going to give you a shot at least they're going to see what they've what they've invested in basically and at Leicester if you're in an academy as well I'd say it's harder to do that because you're always sort of seen as an academy lad whereas you could be the same age but get signed by another team and you probably get more of an opportunity because you've been basically you've been headhunted and you've been sourced to come and help the team do better
3: and then you join Harriquins at a probably a weird time is the way to describe it
0: the, yeah
3: very the, the, strange the, the world's in a in a strange place and harlequins are harlequins were probably in a maybe a crossroads or a roundabout i don't know deciding on mm-hmm. who they're going to be in a in an identity but to join a club i mean if you showed a rugby supporter the harlequin shirt they would know instantly that belongs to harlequins it, it's an iconic symbol yeah. you go there where you confident? Did you go in with a strut? Yeah, this is, this is me. I can do this.
0: <laughs> no, nah, the opposite. I went in there going, right, can you still throw a ball? Can you still kick? Can you? And I, was like, I ran and ran and ran and uh, locked down and lost a lot of weight. Ended up losing like 10 kilos at one stage and was just like, uh, I can run. That's fine. But quite hard to do kicking and passing and competitive rugby stuff when you're in isolation and you're just by yourself. Just... So I think, like, before I went, I did a few. So I came back to Irish for the last bit of my, like, sort of contract there where it was, like, groups of six. But they said to me, you don't have to come. Like, obviously, you're moving on, like, if it doesn't work out. But I was like, no. So I did that. And just to train my other people to be socialised. So I stayed with a mate, did that for six weeks, and then went back home. And then when I finally got the, the Harlequin stuff, I was like, right, so my brother Jack, Came down and we were just were kicking balls and stuff and at the Dumfries Rugby Club and I was like, it's just mad. Like I've went like literally I think like two and a half, three months of like, not doing any of this, just running. I was like, now you're going down and like it's going to be a short term before you actually playing again. So I was I was nervous and I was just the quicker I could get into it and hit the ground running the better, obviously because I was going up against tough competition as well. So I think things just worked out well in the way that. We'd play on a Saturday, or Wednesday and then play on a Sunday and two of the guys in my position were older than me so like the, the physios were going to look after them and um, yeah, it just worked out that I went in there and was playing under uh, Paul Gustard who was really sort of defence driven and focused and, and that's a strength of my game as well so he we just loved how competitive I was and and starting quite a lot of games and it was through that Little period of nine games that I ended up getting into the Scotland stuff, and I think just because of the way that I competed during the preseason, and um, he just really took a liking to me and, and gave me a big opportunity. So I've got a lot to, to thank for him, even though as a team it sort of didn't go well for us the season after, and it was a turning point when when he left and things sort of changed in the mindset of the club and stuff like that. It was, but for me, it was he was he was great and. I owe a lot to him for taking a chance on me in the first place to to go in, and then he was the one that like gave me a, a contract extension as well. Pretty much, I think I was there for a couple of months, and he was like, Nah, look, we'll we'll try and get a longer term deal sorted out, give you a bit more security." And I was like, "He didn't have to do that. He could have waited like ten months or whatever and, until he did that." And so yeah, it owe a lot to him, and that was when that period when I was playing well and was starting games and. Playing, playing a lot and then got into the Scotland stuff.
3: He, Paul Gusgard gives you a chance. You're playing well. You know, you've been playing consistently for London Irish. How does it work? Are, are Scotland in touch with you saying we're keeping an eye on you? Are you messaging them or is it just got to wait and see? Be patient.
0: Um. So, when I was at Irish, that at the start when I was playing when I sort of first moved I got a bit of chat and it was Yep, you're in contention and I would always get a phone call like sorry i have just missed out or whatever and then then phone calls sort of stopped in the last couple of years when we were in the championship or when I wasn't playing in my last year, I was just not getting picked. So, um, I can't remember really how it worked out. I think, like, I think Gregor messaged me or and just said that you, you're doing really well. It seems like a good move and all that kind of stuff. Like, we're, um, we're enjoying like how you're playing, all that kind of stuff. And I think Steve Tandy, the defence coach, also messaged me. And it was more that the feedback I was getting from the club. So the coaches would speak to the club's uh, coaches as well. So Gustav was like, oh, yeah, Hudge Gregor speaking to me about this and all this kind of stuff. And it was, uh, he phoned me um, after I played against Wasps and I had a good game. And um, he was like, yep, you're, you're going to be involved for the, the autumn stuff. And I was like, this is mad. Like, I've had this phone call so many times, but it's always been like, Uncontention, but sorry and this time it was actually like wait a minute now Christ, what do I do now <laughs> this is mad Um so then turned up to train next day and he told me before he told the coaches and I remember telling the coaches that, that, that I got into it and they were all buzzing it, it was great they were like chuffed for you like this is unreal blah 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 Like what a mental couple of months this has been for you like literally didn't have a job a couple of months ago and now you, <laughs> you're going off to, to do your sport and stuff and I was like yeah you're, you're right I was like thanks for you know you played a massive part in it or everyone stuff like that so yeah that that was a big moment for me i just remember coming off the phone and being like right what do i do now like usually i'm like ah that's a shame i'm not involved again but oh well just knuckle on i was like oh christ i'm nervous now like what (laughs) what's that going to be like how how like we talked about the levels i was like training at Queens and stuff's pretty tough like when we're actually training, it's a pretty chilled-out environment, but when we're training, we're on, it's tougher. But I the environment's going to be pretty full-on at Scotland, it's going to be pretty, like, you need to know your stuff, and it'll be pretty, pretty tough, and then for a couple of weeks, I was just thinking about that, like, right, I need to make sure I'm fit, because I don't want to be, you know, turn up to training, and I'm the one that's struggling and all this kind of stuff, I was, like, trying to think about what training would be like, and all that kind of stuff, and it would just go on and on, it wasn't like a, oh, yes, I've made it, I'm relieved, it was like, oh, no. Nah. Like, am I gonna be good enough to do this? Like have they made the right call? So it was yeah, it was and then once I got into it, obviously it was fine, it was tough, but it was right. This is what it's about. There was no mystery then. It was just right, this is it, it's tough, get on with it, like, and then I end up getting picked for the first game against Wales to finish off the Six Nations and that was a surprise. I didn't really think about didn't think that, didn't get a heads up before there was myself. Uh Ali Price was starting and George Horn was also involved and he's obviously played a lot more than me and i just sort of thought like right, well for any game we are probably going to prioritize this one at six nations and all this kind of stuff and then yeah just to see my name like come up and was picked i was just like right no, this is this is real now this is this is different this is i thought i could come up here and potentially train the whole time and not play and that would be still a great opportunity but I was like, right, this, you've got to do something now, <laughs> this is it. Um so yeah, that was amazing and everyone was really good and I remember actually George Horn was one of the first people to come up and congratulate me and I thought that's that's class from him, actually. shows what he's about as a person, all that kind of stuff. He's obviously disappointed not to be to protect picked himself and them two had been picked together for a long time, so it's disrupted that him to come up to me and say congratulations and stuff. I was like, nah, no, that's 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 good from me. So all the boys were great and yeah, and then played on the wing for about 10 minutes and just tackled and hit rocks and that was it. It was good enough to get through.
3: I absolutely loved speaking to Scott Steele. Uh it was great of him to give up so much of his time but unfortunately he was having some issues with these laptop battery and there was some wi-fi issues so hopefully the sound and the conversation came across nice and clear for you and if you've been watching you'd probably think what on earth is going on but sean has done a great job in editing all together and the positive was as soon as we crashed My phone beeped with a WhatsApp from Scott to say, oh, we didn't finish. We've still got things we need to cover. How amazing is that? Somebody who wanted to talk. I loved speaking to him. So the bonus of the first one, not finishing and going as smoothly as we wanted, is that we get a two-parter out of it. A few weeks had elapsed. Scott had then gone under the knife. So you heard his summer. And then part two came into the season just as he'd had his hip operation. So tune in because you heard the first part and you're going to get the luxury of a second part later this week. So please tell your friends you can catch us on Acast, Apple and Spotify. You can watch on Facebook and YouTube. Scott Steel Part 1 finished but you've got Scott Steele Part 2 to look forward to. It was amazing to spend so much time with him, and I cannot wait to get down to London Village and see him in action for Harlequins when he gets back from his injury. Big Handsome Sean had his work cut out with this one to edit it all together, but I'm sure you'll agree he's done a fabulous job. Thank you for listening. My name is Bruce Aitchison from the Happinesses Podcast. This is the end of Scott Steele Part 1 but you've got Scott Steele part two to look forward to. My happiness is egg-shaped. I look forward to hearing and seeing you all very, very soon. Thank you.
0: Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our, our happiness,
2: happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped it loves us a circle with no end. I was about this last night and he said happiness is egg-shaped. Uh, happiness is egg-shaped happiness is shaped and love's a circle with no end
1: planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more